Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Vicky McLeod. This conversation was recorded last week when head coach and founder of the programme, John Singleton, returned from the Games and got back to the island. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. I would like to say that I feel a little bit more together than the other two people in this room today because both of you have got jet lag and I've just got like a lovely shower and I smell great apparently. Uh, yeah, you in, I, did, uh, I did comment on that yeah, earlier. Yeah, very much. Um, how is it? How are you? How do you feel? Um, I feel good in general. You know, there's the obvious like come down of the games. Mm. Like last year I was completely done. Um, I remember. Yeah, I just done done like a kipper. Yeah, done like kipper <laughs> uh, for our English-speaking audience. Yes, <laughs> yeah. maybe only England, England, not even American <laughs> England. Um, but you know, I feel feel pretty good. We've gone st- last year. We took a break, so maybe that's a bit why you know your body's prepared to rest and go down. Whereas this year, come back and and gone straight into work. Um, just a few things that we need to prep for the year. Um, but in general, you know, happy to be back in Europe. Uh, it's, it's always a long time away, so happy to be back, get back to my own training routine and uh, and get things sorted. I don't think anybody ever understands how exhausting, even from, like, not just for the athletes, but how exhausting the experience of that 10 days yeah. is. You, you tend to ride a bit of like uh, an emo- emotional roller coaster. So you kind of go up, down, up, down, typically with the, the athlete that you follow. So, you know, obviously we had we, we had Veronica um, going through first days and we had Moritz and Ella. And you kind of ride those roller coasters. Uh, and it's very difficult not to get caught up in it emotionally, um, wanting them to do well, etc. Um, so, yeah, by the end of it, you're pretty, pretty tired. Mm. Right, so let's let's start from the beginning. Mm. So you you got to Madison and you did some activations at Big Dane. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's the kind of beginning of our US journey. Even started in the pre-camp. Oh, uh, okay, that's true. But, uh, oh. we, yeah, we've been out there for, for a little while, but yeah. So Games Week started. So just a bit of background. We flew out like maybe. <sighs> it was two weeks ago, no? Three weeks ago now. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, because we had the pre-camp as mm-hmm. well. So we flew out almost exactly three weeks ago and we went straight to Madison. Um, and it was basically all of us living in a house. So we had Moritz was there, Ella was there, um, Chris was over, Manu, Denise, you know, it was like a full house. And we just, you really just get accustomed to, heat's not really as much of a factor for us. It's, it's a lot hotter here than it is in Madison. Yeah. Um, but just getting accustomed to the, you know, the time change, basically. Um, we were very lucky. We trained at a place called Unbroken Strength, super nice gym, and we got to run, bike, do all those kind of things uh, as we started to learn more and more that was happening at the Games. There's a cool lake. Yeah. Um, we went to some nice places. Like, Madison's actually really beautiful. Mm. I think one thing that was really interesting for me mentally, you know, I've gone to Madison each year, the Games has been there. And you think, oh, it's 2017. It's just a lot of years going back to the same place. And so a lot of, and always around like a very heightened, emotional, intense period of yeah. the games. Uh, and this year was like the first time I was able to really appreciate that time. Um, 
and and kind of think back through the memories. So that was actually really nice for me because they announced it's not going to be in Madison next year. And I was like, let's, you know, just enjoying being in the Coliseum that bit more, enjoying being in that specific warm-up area, all of those things. So quite sentimental. It was a bit sentimental, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't realise how attached you kind of grown to, to a place over the years. I guess it's, uh, well, people, a lot of people are saying that they're going to miss it, actually. So, yeah. Um, so let's talk about... Big Dane. I want to say Great Dane, but it's not Great Dane. <laughs> there is a bar called Great Dane, so you know. And it was with Gowod. Yeah, so, you know, as you know, we, uh, I really think Gowod's a great company. Me too, I think they're terrific. Um, and so we helped do some activations there. I also really enjoy doing the activations. Um, you get to meet people in the community, try to have a good time. So I really enjoy that... Um, that community aspect because most of the time I'm just working with elite athletes mm. you know I and I for years of my life I've coached you know everyday people you know really since 2014 that dropped off a lot but you know I've been coaching since I was like 16 years old in, in various capacities and and there is a part of me that still really loves that um, it's nice to be able to do it in short doses you know I think the, the grind gets doing that for six hours a day it's very yeah. different but being able to come in and kind of touch base on a lot of the things I used to do is really nice I think if you're asked the same question about the same workout 20 times an hour <laughs> it, not going to lie no, I'm, I'm not I, yeah it's uh, you know I've, I've been there it's um, it's not as easy to bring that same kind of energy uh, six hours a day I'm very for, guilty for of being one. one of those people that does that actually <laughs> And um, as I was just waving at Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, the guys in this uh, space must be like, who, you know, I just come in with all these people. And, yeah. Anyway. So after um, Big Dane, you had Veronica um, doing, exactly, doing yeah. the age group. Yeah, so she came over with Renato, um, or Renato joined her uh, and drove her up to, to Madison. And, you know, is it her first time at the Games? First time at the Games, first time in the States. She came over with a friend, which made it into a nice, uh, well, arguably a nicer experience. Um, and, and you know, it's just kind of making sure the experience was enjoyable for, for Veronica. Mm. Um, you know, at that age, there's a lot of teens who don't carry on the sport. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it's very important for us that that experience is enjoyable. This, the pressure is... Uh, you know, trying to reduce the amount of pressure, really, so she can just go in, enjoy the experience uh, more than anything and, and set, hopefully, foundations for, for more years to come. So how was her experience? It was tricky. Um, one of the main reasons for that is, unfortunately, she was doing a uh, warming up for one of the events and uh, damaged her elbow. Uh, it was like the handstand event, and mm. she she kind of went over a bit, awkwardly and that jolted the elbow uh, so it's kind of like a very tough decision but she had to make the decision to uh, to withdraw and how do you think she handled that disappointment and the injury I, you know it's, it's tough in the moment um, and these things need a bit of time to see the bigger picture but you know I hope that she you know she got to compete some events she got to go to the games she got to be there feel it experience it um, and so I hope She's able to look back and be like, you know, actually, I did manage to achieve that. I did manage to compete there. Mm. And that's what she can take away. I hope that she's going to feel better soon as well. I mean, yeah, how long it, did the injury take to heal up? Um, it, luckily, nothing was ruptured. So it needed like four week or so healing time, which, 
you know, for anyone post games, it's it's not the worst time no. to have that kind of ability to heal up there. Did she stick it out? Did she stay around for the rest of the yeah, week? Yeah, her and her friend Michelle were over watching the um, watching the events, hanging out. So it was good. Good for her. Yeah. Well, she's uh, the winner of the crown. In exactly. Case, uh, anybody who didn't know who she was, so that she we know her quite well. Spent some time with her, and she's a top girl and um, very promising young female athlete. Go Veronica. Um, let's talk about Moritz and Ella's week. Mm. Who do you want to start with? Uh, I suppose we can start with uh, with Ella. Um, it was her first time at the games, and. So one of the best things the games does that checking experience for an athlete is so special yeah. you, you feel like number one you know you walk in your name's there and, and the team uh, behind that checking experience do such a great job um, and, you know this is like my ninth consecutive year going to the games and, and I would say like after all the years still for like the one thing each athlete does feel special at that checking experience mm-hmm. um, and that's really nice because it's kind of a really good high to start Athlete Christmas. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think Ella handled the games really well. Uh, you know, she obviously... Um, well, she and Ella ended up getting cut on the, the first cut. Yeah. However, you know, it, the games is tough. You know, like... It, just everything's tough about the games. You have to be freaking epic at just one thing in order to do well just at that one thing. Um, however, she managed to like achieve on those huge memories. The, you know, people now have the kind of ski sandbag. The ski bag girl. Yeah, you know, and, and it's always hard, especially from a top heat, to know where you're going to finish. And she ended up taking top five in a, in an event at the games, which, um, especially on an event like that, you know, ski ski erg and squatting, like something everyone kind of do well at. So she really showed, you know, like it's like a highlight moment uh, for at the games. It was wonderful watching her. It was, it's, 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 because I know her, it's such a, it, it makes that whole experience so much more exciting when you know somebody that's doing so well on a screen like thousands of miles away from you. And this, it's so emotional. To, I can't imagine what her family must have felt like. Yeah, you know, that's her, true. Her, her brother was there, huh? Yeah, so Tim came over, you know, and Tim's been there for her whole journey. I met him at online semifinals that year that we, uh, that you did it all in, uh, yeah, I mean, 2021 was it? Ella's actually like one of our longest standing athletes. Like, I forget the age, I think she was like 18 or something. Mm. And this was like 2017 again, like first year of maths, somewhere around that age. Uh, then, you know, Ella's just been one of those. Her nickname is like the Silent Assassin. Did you give her that nickname? And I think Manu may have. Uh, is that you, Manu? Came up. Which one? Ella, Silent Assassin. I think it was Ramsey. Oh, it okay. might be Rumsey. Shout out to Rumsey. Good job, Rums. Um, so, and you know, that's it. the reason is, I mean, Ella's just like that. She's very behind the scenes and all of a sudden she qualifies for the games. Mm. You know? But you, what you don't see is the years that have kind of built up yeah. in that linear progression. It must be so hard for her to watch every year people go to the games. I, I don't and think then, so. And, and then not, and not go herself. I don't think so. Really? No, I don't think Ella has that uh, perspective on it. You know, I I think that that's actually something that some people might think, but mm. I don't actually think Ella is like that. She's just very content within herself and her journey. You know, even though her goal may be to go to the games, I, I don't believe that she 
she necessarily has that same emotional drive of that lake and, and that can be quite disruptive and I think a lot of athletes have that you know they build up this frustration this anger this oh why is it not me this kind of unfair mm. kind of victim nature yeah. of it and, and I don't believe that Ella has that you know I think she very much works within herself and, uh, and it's definitely one of her, her qualities now that her competition season has finished for the moment mm. what kind of things will you program in for her when she goes back to training that you think like or that Chris will program for her yeah exactly so, that, so, um, that she would be working on yeah so Chris will be leading that um, that program for Ella she wants to do team uh, in Madrid with uh, Thiago oh um, so it, you know it's quite soon mm. um, we advise all athletes just like rest yeah um, but she did only have two days of competition which is different to four um, so and, and team again is, is not as intense individual so I imagine or well, discuss with Chris she'll be probably building up just very slowly arguably going to the competition more very rested compared to what you would do normal competition mm. and then after Madrid mm. what will she be what will her plan be for her uh, we still need to reflect you know um, there probably is a possibility of not season competition um, but not not too much. Mm-hmm. Just stay in the zone, stay training. You know, I've spoken a bit with Ella. Um, I believe she's in a good place. What's going on? So, no no real like huge momentous changes. Just she's going to stay in Mallorca. Um, I believe that's the current plan. Good. Because <laughs> I like watching her videos of her cycling around things. Yeah. <laughs> she makes she has f- fine coffee choices that I. I I aspire to uh, I aspire to have Ella's coffee uh, coffee and bun lifestyle. She's she has a, a good take on Palmer's lifestyle for sure. Okay, let, and well done, Ella. It was super great to watch you, uh, Moritz. Yeah. So second year at the games, most athletes' expectations change. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got you've got your placing from last. You want to try and beat that, and we knew Moritz was in better shape than last year in what context better shape and this is a great question oh, good. because how do you compare uh, in CrossFit it's super hard to know mm. so it may be better one saying we felt rather than we knew um, and uh, you know you, you've got kind of data with numbers and conditioning times and whatnot. but um, so I was excited to see Moritz on the floor um, and what he could do obviously he did very well at semis did well in Dubai and came out smashing it on day one. You know, it was, it was like top five of the leaderboard on so day one. Exciting. It was extremely exciting, and he really uh, smashed it. He did, which was great. We always knew that day two was going to be harder because those events on day one suited him, or he came out on fire. <coughs> yeah, there's a bit nu- of both. There's like nuances within CrossFit. So you know, people say you're very good conditioned, well conditioned. But again, actually, you can be well-conditioned at one thing, but not at another thing. So you might be well-conditioned on machines, but not running, etc. So the bike suits Moritz well compared to running. Arguably, they're kind of similar time domains, especially you know, in not a specific domain as CrossFit for conditioning. You know, one was like 20 minutes, one was 40 minutes, whatever it may be. So usually you get an athlete that's good. Mm. But because the aspect of the bike change compared to the um, run change... For Moritz, that's a big impact. For a lot of athletes, I think you see like a good correlation. But Moritz is one of those outliers where he does a lot better on a machine compared to a run. Anyway, so we knew the run. Like had run 
uh, with Helena, uh, which was going to be in the evening. Mm. Uh, and then we also had, I'm just trying to think through the events. Yeah, we had the alpaca in the morning. I've got a list if you want. Yeah, the, the alpaca in the morning was legless rope climbs. So, you know, if you'd categorize two things for Moritz, pulling gymnastics and um, legless rope climbs are the two aspects that uh, they struggles with um, the most. Mm. Uh, and then the ski bag should have been a good workout for Moritz. So, yeah. big picture, I think Moritz smashed it. This um, this games, you know, he had like three top ten finishes. Uh, one thing really interesting thing is last year he had one finish inside the top thirty. This year he had one finish outside the top thirty. So that's like a great for us, like a great showcase. He's yeah. moving in the right direction. Great progress. Yeah, I think you know, there's there's always things you can look back on the the new improvement. I think there were two workouts in the Coliseum: the, the ski bag, which was this one here, and then also the uh, intervals, mm. which were two. He probably had a bit more potential that wasn't um, shown on the floor, and those are kind of things we can use to work with for, for going into the next season. Um, but in general, I think he did really well. Knowing you from last year at the games, mm. you don't typically watch the actual events on the in the auditorium or in the coliseum or on the floor. You're watching them on a screen in yeah. the warm up area. Was that the same this year? Yeah, a little. You know, first day, first event. Um, bike. The bike event. And it was like just for logistics. Like you got the warm up area, you have to walk around, and usually coaches don't get the best access. So, you know, we stay there, the athletes can go out, etc. So I start walking with like a group of other coaches after mm. they, they go out. It's like, you walk here, you walk here, you walk here, you walk around. Then all of a sudden they shut off the warm-up area so you couldn't go in anyway. Yeah. So I was probably walking around for like, I don't know, 40 minutes mm. in, the, in the sun <laughs> trying to like get to Moritz and you couldn't even get to Moritz and you know, so there's nothing you can do anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, as he's going behind the back, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not really uh, your, your level of coaching. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of disappears at that point. So um, I realised at that point why I tend to stay in the, in the back. Uh, you did get a lot of steps in that day. Yeah, I did get a lot of steps. Um, but I went, so for some of the Coliseum events I did end up going, especially ones where I didn't have to like do anything after. Mm. Also to appreciate the, the Coliseum again. Yeah. It was like nice for me uh, just to be out there, see Moritz on the floor. Like I was out there for the lifting event, for example. That's why I was going to lead up to. What What was it like for you watching him? Yeah, I'm really happy. Um, like he, he made all the lifts that he needed to make. And at that moment in time, it was like fighting for the cut. Mm. And he did exactly what he needed to do. You know, it's top five finish at the games. You, you can't ask for more than that. Um and he ended up placing 21st and only 20 went through. And I think it was like four or five points that he needed. So that makes it very easy to look back and oh, if I did this, I did this. Yeah. But you can always do that. There was a shoulda, woulda, coulda yeah. kind of thing afterwards. And I, felt, I actually felt, I saw it on, I can't remember where it was, but it's like if he'd done this, he'd have been there. And it was like, yeah, but he didn't, you yeah. know? <laughs> and you know, you can always rewind the tape and be like, ah, oh, one placing here or the... But as you say, that's mm. not the reality of the scenario. Um, and and I think actually finish the weekend on that big high is yeah. really good. I think, I mean, I hope, how did he feel about his performance? I, I mean, you know, I think athletes have a tendency to want more. Yeah. <laughs> which is a good attribute for being an athlete. But it's also, um, 
you know, I think, you know, as I get older, uh, taking the time to really appreciate what they have achieved mm. um, is useful. You know, like I think Moritz has made great progress and being able to appreciate that journey and, and see how far he's come. Yeah, sure, there's more work to be done, you know, but that's kind of the acceptance of life as constant work, you know, like you kind of, I know I feel as well, like the older I get, you know, you feel like you've learned every lesson or, but you know, then you every, every, every freaking week there's like a new lesson to be learned fucking hell I didn't see that one coming so you know the, unfortunately this, this idea of constant work is just one of those uh, true. aspects and so I think appreciating the journey is, uh, is a very useful skill to do because you're never really finished mm. are you programming Moritz's training? Um, I was leading up uh, specifically to uh, uh, to the game so Chris and I would collaborate and and, uh, and work through that um, like well, we moved into you know if I look back even last year the years before where it was solely me you know I was doing everything myself um, like Chris has come on board a lot more now to to work in those specifics as with Renato and Veronica um, and then I kind of have a bit of a discussion overview role um, if they need feedback or or, you know, we feel like something's not working or something is working, whatever it may be. And what's Moritz's plan going into the next few months, do you think? Uh, well, I hope he's chilling out right now. Having so, a holiday? Yeah. So if he's hearing this whilst, you know, what riding a bike or something, you know, it's a bit much, right? It's a, like complete rest. No pressure. Moritz doesn't, you know, Moritz... <laughs> Ella wants to go team in this event, fine, but Morris doesn't have that same desire. So it's like actually taking time to rest, recover, and to put a proper plan in for mm. the season. I know Morris is a good athlete, kind of advocate for Rogue. Um, but the invites, I think, go to 15 and then five qualifying places. So he'll, it might be tough to get the invite, and I, I don't think the stress of doing the qualifiers is worth it right now. So... If he doesn't get the invite, we'll kind of plan for another competition. Hmm. I hope he gets the invite. That would be amazing to see him. He can move some heavy, weird stuff around. Yeah, happily, like, he? exactly. <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be a good. He put on a show. Okay, so we talked about your athletes. Let's talk about your experience mm. because obviously. It was all a bit different again this year. Last year we had Justin Berg in place. There was a different kind of feel there. This year we've got Castro back. What's what is what was your overall uh, opinion of this year's games? And yeah, so I'd heard like some room and stuff of, of CrossFit wanting to kind of take it back to how it was before. And you know, if anyone was at the games in 2018. 2017 that kind of era mm. before the changes you'd have felt that before the weird year in 2019 yeah, everybody got to go yeah, that was the thing it was like boom 2019 maybe made some good decisions and some bad decisions um, but it was definite change um, then 2020 what hit with covid mm. so i'd say arguably since that it's been a bit weird and then all of a sudden i think there was like kind of a conscious decision or at least felt like that to like jump back to 2018 um, and obviously Castro is a big part of that um, that era and so it very much felt like it was like a, at that kind of point again Was it almost as if the last few years hadn't happened? Yeah I suppose so I, I think so but the kind of idea of like sports change quickly as well mm. um, I, I don't know what their future plans are 
um, and where they'll go. But yeah, this year it felt more like uh, the games used to feel in some ways. It's like a CrossFit blip. Yeah. If you know Marvel movies, yeah. what I'm talking about. So, I mean, apart from um, Dave Castro being back on the scene, we also had, I saw, quite a lot of new um, or old people backstage as well. Like yeah. in the warm-up area, you had um, uh, Rich and Jazz, you had the Buttery Bros, and you had Sevan and his crew. Yeah. It's like quite crowded back there. Yeah, and, and I think, again, that's kind of like a throwback to how it used to be. And these guys used to have access. You know, back when, like, Heber and Marston working for CrossFit, they were doing the behind-the-scenes for the game. You had Maria there, and Sivan as well. You know, Sivan's like... Since my first games in 2015, like, Sivan's been going around, poking cameras in people's faces, asking... Uh, I think the questions that people are interested in. Mm. And I, that's the one thing with Sivan was, like... He really gets the the behind the scenes from an interesting perspective. Like I always remember that I thought the quality was like 2015, 16, back when he was there, the questions that he would ask wouldn't be like the top athletes, you know, like sometimes you wouldn't even know that what that's happening on the leaderboard, but you'd find the interesting stories. And so actually, you know, there might be someone who's in I don't know, 27th place or whatever, but they have this interesting story, something interesting happened and being able to try bring that out. I think we've seen that that's, that storytelling ability is really important. Like in Drive to Survive, yeah, you know, like actually you're following a team that I know seventh place or whatever. They don't have any chance of winning, but yet there's still these interesting dynamics that are entertaining to watch. Mm. It's not just like the classic, oh, this person won, this person came second. And, and I think Savan has those qualities of being able to identify that storyline that is interesting but maybe not as easy to tell. Like, how do you make those stories interesting? And I think that's a really good quality rather than just, like, number one wins, you know? He has a very provocative way about him. Yeah, controversial. Um, which, Deliberately so, though. Yeah, arguably to make it more entertaining. You know, I'm sure many people don't agree with his views. My um, daughter doesn't. <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever it may be. Um and, and those are probably some, like, not the qualities, mm. but the qualities of being able to get those stories become interesting. But I think that maybe as a filmmaker, convert, convert, and opposed to being a podcaster, he's going to do a different kind of story. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know how it's actually coming out, but Savon's behind the scenes used to be, like, 20-part yeah. series. I've watched them, they're great. Yeah, yeah, so I... I you know. I think it'd be a bit long for a film, but uh, <laughs> well, I don't mean like yeah, yeah. you know what I mean, like video rather than audio. Yeah. So um, the and any backstage gossip that you'd like to uh, share with us uh, that you can tell me. No. Uh, tick tock, tick tick tock, tick tock. Yeah, I mean, there's no real uh, gossip that I that I know of. What were you doing all week? I was just walking behind warm-up area and walking between warm-up areas. Okay. Um, let's talk about the programming of the, yeah. of the tests. They're not events, Vicky, they're tests. Because I was speaking to Ramsey during the week on the FOMO show and um, she was quite disturbed by the programming. She says it was far too much pulling. What do you think? Um, I don't know. Like... So, 
this is the nuances of programming. Mm. Because let's say you just have ring muscle-ups. Like in the workout, for example, with ring muscle-ups, final day. So five rounds, seven ring muscle-ups, and then sound back. The ring muscle-ups are irrelevant because, it, you know, I don't know, 90% of athletes did them unbroken and the test was a sandbag over the yeah. fence. So actually, is that pulling work out? No, not really. You know, the Chester bars that were in there, it was like 25 reps, you know, which for these athletes is again minimal. You know, the toaster bar could become more of a factor or the wall walls a lot of athletes noticed. Mm. Um, th- there was one obvious um, rope climb workout with the legless rope climbs. Uh, sorry, pulling workouts. Um, but again, I'd say that was like a dual component. You had the pulling, uh, legless rope climb pulls. Then you also had like a heavy kettlebell that you had to contend with. So I think that if you kind of list movements, there were a lot of pulling relative to pressing gymnastic movements. But did they become factors in the workouts? Obviously, in the legless rope climb one, yes. But arguably, as you move through, maybe not so much. Alex Gazan, it was also to do with your trainers. Yeah, exactly. She lost her shoes. Um, but, okay, so in which case, she also said that it was um, very biased towards the heavier athletes. This is the thing with games. Like, so you take an athlete like Yella, who did very well he this did. weekend. And you've had that example with Fukowski in the past, where you struggle to make it through. Then when you make it through, you can really do well. And Yele has that ability with running, obviously, like, he can just really get those high finishes. Obviously, he won the 5K run, and and that's going to suit him then well in something like Elena or these things where if you have that running ability, you're a bit bigger, so those odd objects become a bit easier. Mm. The sandbag, you know, who would you want to be, Yele or, or Colton on, on the sandbag? You know, it's kind of like a thing, but the games yes. tends to favour that, like, bigger, well-conditioned athlete. Mm. And as long as you can get through the gymnastic component... You can usually do pretty well. Um, and so games has... And that's why Tia, arguably Matt, have been a bit outliers in that in that instance. Mm. You know, Tia's just so freaking strong. Um, I think Laura had like five event wins yeah. this year, which is phenomenal. Like, this is the thing. Like, Laura... So Laura is like... Like well enough conditioned, good enough for gymnastics. And she's so far ahead on the strength curve that like you throw, it's just the effort needed to do things is so little compared mm. to everyone else. Like the pick is the perfect example, you know? That was amazing. Yeah. And, you know, arguably the sandbag as well, just being able to move that sandbag, being able to do all these odd object things at the games, that, that raw strength is such an attribute, you know, being able to win the lifting, being able to win any odd object thing that gets thrown out. Mm. Um, and I think that's where Tia was impressive because she had that strength as well. Maybe not the same level of raw strength, but, you know, she's a she's the only one on that field who had been able to put up near a 120 kilo cleaner jerk. Yeah. Um, and that's where that kind of competition starts to heat up is when you've got someone at that that kind of level as well. Um, but yeah that's the classic thing like at games being able to be big and well conditioned is really like a huge advantage who stood out for you over the weekend who impressed you who surprised you you know Errol Lowen yes you're right she was amazing cool as a cucumber super nice super chill just freaking phenomenal yes and you ask me like you go go, what's Laura great at you know 
strength. Mm. You, know, you go, what's Emma Lawson great at? You go, well, she's she's like great at gymnastics, very well conditioned. You go, what's Errol Lowen great at? You go, you don't necessarily know. Yeah. But she's just freaking good enough at everything. Um, and it's super impressed. Mm. You know, she she was on no one's predictions list going She in. wasn't, was she? You know, everyone disregarded. And she didn't, you know, she took third by like a huge margin. She was like, there was this kind of pack of them that were very far ahead. Mm. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, and she, I would argue, say like the recognition that she received is not as big. So I hope she kind of gains that recognition because it was a huge hit. I mean, she's got a kid, trains in a garage, you know, not one of the typical like all in, uh, or, you know, visibly all in athletes mm. she's got other things going on in her life thanks for asking yeah like a kid yeah. you know <laughs> um, it very impressive um, Adler obviously taking the victory you know he wasn't again maybe wasn't one of, maybe he was up there in the favourites um, but yeah I, I think like because of like if you kind of talk about surprises aerial finishing on the podium is, uh, is something that's very impressive I really liked um, Jeffrey Adler's story as well yeah being a volunteer six years ago on the event team yeah like Olsen had a similar story as well did he yeah I think he volunteered at, uh, at a really early regional and then ended up qualifying mm. through to games it was really lovely watching him go through yeah nice guy as well let's talk about dramas oh yeah yeah Raymond yeah I, I think it's like just unfortunate you know mm. I mean, it shows how impressive he is basically coming last and on the last day well that's not true last and last two events yeah and still being able to podium yes <laughs> uh, in some ways for Fukowski not making it to the podium again was like a bit hard and it's one of those like you know it's very hard looking back and be like, oh, just a couple more lunges and he'd be on yeah so it's like one of those weird like super happy for a man would have been super happy for Fukowski um, it's just kind of the way it uh, way it played out um, so that's you know so that's what I you know there are a few athletes getting cut who are like maybe they shouldn't have, well not shouldn't have been cut is the wrong word but you thought they would make it mm. the um, the way that he broke his foot mm. on the when he was jumping down from the log landing on or stumbling on the sandbags I was speaking to Ramsey about this as well we were talking about how how would you control that, you know, from a kind of professional athlete's perspective? Because they now have this thing with, like, cutting the ropes off before they hit the ground, that sort of thing, so that there's less things to fall on. But in that moment, there wasn't much that you could have done to control it. Yeah, it's, you know, this is one of the hard things for the variables of the games. You know, arguably, you kind of delineate a section for the sandbag yeah. where you chuck it over and then a section where your feature land would be like a good takeaway from mm. that. It's one of the troubles with the games is that because everything's always new it's really hard because we may never see that again but like a learning curve could have been that but it's hard to implement these learning curves sometimes because you you know you almost need to see it happen for oh, yeah. it's like yeah. hard to do that analysis mm -hmm. in such detail. What was the judging like? Because last year we had some issues around like the handstand standards. What, did anything happen this year? Not, that... not to that same level. That's great then. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, or hope that those things started to, uh, to resolve. 
you know, the handstand really stood out last year because yeah. it was pretty atrocious. Um, there, there were some little things that usually are, but I don't think there were like some standout moments like that. So you didn't have any, like everybody, let's petition in situations backstage. Yeah, and stuff kind of, no, no. There's some strange things, you know, like uh, some people were upset about, for, for example, there were like obvious injuries, like, oh man, uh, Bjorgvin obviously had something going on. Yeah, do you lifted. know what was wrong? Um, I think he'd, well, he'd said it on camera that he had a sore back uh, for the season and wasn't able to lift. Mm. So I believe they kind of made a conscious decision to like, well, we're not going to finish well. Let's just finish last and save the back. Um, and the minimum work requirement, uh, the minimum work requirement is uh, 95 pounds. Okay. So they achieved that and then could carry on. Um, and then you had the trouble was you had all that drama around Alex Caron yes. being pulled out, even yeah. though he kind of did the minimum work requirement because he was injured. Mm. So it's like weird dynamic where you're like, well, should... Roman be able to carry on? Should he receive his points? It obviously creates a magical story. Then you're letting someone injured on the floor. It's like, it's a very, um, yeah. I think something that needs to be thought about. And this minimum work requirement is like, I understand across this point of view, especially when the sport's on ESPN and you've got all these people going for it. And then you've got maybe some athletes kind of sandbagging in a, in an extreme way. Mm. Um, so it's very, uh, tricky dynamic because do I think that people should be cut for not meeting like like sandbagging how do you define sandbagging that's a very grey area maybe you should even define the term sandbagging for people who don't understand it well it, sandbagging is basically doing is intentionally doing less work or expending less energy um, to save yourself for the next next process or local or vocabulary cheating as in, like, you get called a cheater. Well, well, this is, but but, but I think this is the interesting thing: is it's not cheating. Because mm. if it was cheat, if Bjorkman had done forty pounds or whatever, that would be cheating. Because it's not the minimum work requirement. So it's yeah. kind of playing the system. And I think the trouble is, it's not the athlete's fault; it's the system's fault. Mm-hmm. And this is where different scoring systems become interesting. Uh, we talk of this like uh, Z scoring system. I don't understand the Z-scoring system. If you'd like to explain that to me, that would be a good time. Um, so, you know, this is from a few of the analysts in, in CrossFit, like Texas is a, one of the Instagram handles that come up with this uh, mm. scoring system. And I, I think there's something to be said for it. So, <clears throat> so we're going into some complexities now. Uh, okay, so CrossFit, for example, you have different scoring systems through the year. So in the Open, strangely... Um, it's a very consistent scoring program. You, you get first place is one, second place two, uh, least number of points then qualifies you through to the next stage. Semi-finals, we then enter and uh, quarterfinals, same. Semi-finals, we then enter a different scoring system. And that then starts to reward winning. So how do you reward winning in a scoring system? You, well, you allocate number one 100 points, and then say there's a three-point drop for top five, and then it will go to like a two-point drop. And that means that if you get 100 points, um, you, you know, when you get 100 points, second gets 97, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. and you can start to jump more compared to when you're in this two-point drop. Yeah. yeah. And then that get more extreme through the games with cuts. 
So what starts to happen in cuts now is you then have a five-point difference between everyone down. What this does is means if you won on the first day, you get less of an advantage than winning on the last, last day. day because you got a five-point jump over your competitor compared to, say, a three- or a four-point jump. So right now, and, and if you sandbag in any of these workouts, you just get zero. So if you're okay, going to accept I'm going to get a zero, or if someone's withdrawn, you even get more than zero. Um, and that's like a set. It doesn't matter if you finish like, you know, Laura, for example, in lifting, finish way ahead. She's not rewarded for that. Um, she gets 100 points no matter what. And that's how the system is. The argument is, is that you should be rewarded or punished through a more consistent system. So let's say you do the 5K run. Mm-hmm. And you finish first by five minutes. You should be rewarded relative to the scoring of the field. Is that the IB system? Uh, I don't know the IB. International Baccalaureate. Uh, they, they, they score the kids relative to each other. Yeah, and so, um, and they, they usually do this in, it's, you know, it's not just for CrossFit that this system's been there, it's like a, an adopted system. Mm. Um, but you finish five minutes behind, you then get, you know, that's kind of noted in your in your score. And they've tracked this at various competitions, and it doesn't have huge impact on the score. Like sometimes it will stay the same, but sometimes you get little changes in, in placing. You know, fourth might finish fifth or, or whatnot. But that might stop the sandbagging aspect because you know that, you know, say I'm doing 5K run, I'm just walking it because no minimum work requirements. I'm going to be like really punished mm-hmm. rather than just get a zero. It might actually start taking me what would be a relative minus compared to the field, if that makes yeah. sense. And so actually, by changing the scoring system, you take away the sandbagging. Because if you sandbag, it doesn't just have impact on that event as such. Because if you go into minus, you then get impact all the way through. And it also means, you know, that for someone like Laura, who can go so far ahead on a strength event, she's going to get rewarded for that. Rather than just being like, I'm so far ahead, I might as well just walk, not put as much weight on the mm. last bar, whatever that may be. Um, and so that might actually impact it because then, you know, Bjorgvin, instead of doing 45 kilo or whatever it was, 95 pounds, you know, he might try like 100 kilos, like 225 pounds, something like that, in order to not be so far away from that average. And at least he's trying to push and takes away the, this minimum work requirement aspect. And what's the general feeling? Do people think that's a good idea? Is this um, just an analyst suggestion? Yes, I, I, I think the people are fans of it really mm-hmm. I actually think you know one thing to say about the announcement which kind of links into this but uh, you know for the crown for example I think that could be an interesting idea oh okay because especially when you have five athletes um, you know someone could then be rewarded for going further ahead or whatever maybe do you want to talk about the crown yeah so you know as I mentioned at the start of the video this one thing that's going to come back so we're bringing back the crown in 2024 yeah um and we're going to be changing the changing the qualifying format slightly okay so we're going to be opening up um two male two female places um to qualify in all athletes have to be under 21 um 20 years old but it means that someone who's maybe not been to the games before can get the opportunity to get that invite in and the other people that will compete, you'll invite? Yes. So there'll be eight, um, six invitations, four qualifying spots. 
And for the four qualifying spots, exact same, everything will be covered for them, all, all flights, transport, etc. Um, Mallorca's a very a, nice place to visit. Yeah. Will it be Easter time again, do you think? Exactly, Easter 2024. Better get that in the diary. Anything else to report? You no. bought a new car? Yeah, which, you know... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just... Because I've been renting for the last year different cars. Not that people will be interested, but... Uh, in Mallorca off-season, which is when there are no tourists, it's very cheap to rent cars. Mm. Peak season, it's like... I don't know, maybe four or five times the price as the off-season. Yes. We, you know, there's not been... Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod.